Hello, Horror Fanatics! I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Ugh, The The Horror. Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. So, let's address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Frank, you sound like your best self. I do. I, I sound like my best self. So I, what did you get for Christmas? Actually, for Christmas, I got some sweet, uh, sweet equipment. Podcast However, gear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However. How about, how about what you get for New Year's? What Baby New Year bring you? So Baby New Year gave me COVID-19. Hey, no way. Way. He gave it to me too. <laughs> really? Unbelievable. <laughs> He's nothing if not a giver. How lucky are we? We're like yeah. so lucky. I go the whole year. Yeah. We were so close. Front facing, working in the public. <laughs> Nothing. Not a not a nineteen around me. No, no. And, However, and here we are. We have mild symptoms. Yes. So far, so well. Yes. And we're gonna give this podcast a try. We're gonna give it the college try. We're gonna give it all we got. It uh might be rough, might be bumpy, maybe, but or you might never hear this at all. <laughs> Also possible. So what do we uh, what do we got going on today? Uh, we're going to discuss witches. Yeah. Yeah, in all of their their glory and splendor. Yeah. And happy happy places the witches have been. Wow. I tell you, it... when I first started this, I had no idea what to expect because this is something a little out of my my wheelhouse. You know, like I, I yeah. don't have a whole lot of knowledge i mean i i got a general knowledge of things and like the history but i didn't know what i was getting into so i chose uh witches in the modern era and i 100 percent knew what i was getting into i thought until i started breaking out the different crafts if you will and wow there are several possible upcoming episodes oh yeah no there's there's a ton here i i almost would fair to say that we could do an entire podcast just on witches for for probably a year yeah you know yeah easily easily i mean i wouldn't want to do that i wouldn't want to stay in this i mean we would we would be beating a dead horse but (laughs) talk about information no definitely the uh the history bit there was part of it where i wasn't too surprised there right. were some things where i i looked and i was like yeah you know this all makes sense yes however the one thing that didn't make sense to me is the actual lack of a defined definition of witches correct it's pretty bizarre for something that's so old yes and been around for so long yes and yet there's not really so vague. It is. And Oxford Dictionary has two main definitions, mm-hmm. which the first one right off the bat, mm-hmm. a woman thought to have magic powers, especially evil ones. Yeah. Popular depicted as wearing a black cloak and a pointed hat and flying on a broomstick. So do you know... The history behind the pointed hat? What it's supposed to symbolize? No. It's supposed to center 
their power. Mm. And it acts to direct it either to pull the power and the energy from around them down into themselves, into their core, or to act as a vessel to take the energy that they're directing from themselves up and out. Wow. Ta-da. Yeah. This is what we're going to get into. Do you want to know about stars? This is is what we're getting into with witches. I found it crazy that after all this time, the number one, like when you look up the definition, this is one. Yeah. It's it's still the evil witch. Now the next one, one 1.1, is a follower or practitioner of Wicca or of modern witchcraft. Yeah. Which, I'll be honest with you. We got some work to do. Well, here's the thing. I think those need to be switched. I do too. I you do know, too. In a historical I, I sense. I truly, truly do. I think. And I cannot stress this enough. After the years, it's been hundreds, thousands of years of persecution of witches and witch trials. You would think in the modern age, now that we know and there are these group of witches, the Wiccans, who actually came forward and said, hey, you know, we're really not that bad. And I know you say we do these things, but spoilers, we don't do any of that. Well, and I think that's where going backwards in time. Right. I think there there is some reasons for the bad name. I think with any group of people, you're going to have people that are out to do the right thing. It's like people with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If you were to give a million dollars to, say, 10 different people, you just say, do do with it whatever you want. Everybody's going to do something different. No rules. Yeah. Now, they're not going to maybe do the same things, but there's going to be probably that one person that, I'm going to give half of this to charity mm-hmm. and I'll just get a small little place. Mm-hmm. And there's that. There's that other person that'll get it and blow it in like six months. Yeah. You know, and then there's that other person that would be, I'm going to spread it around a bit, but I'm also going to have my fun too. Right. Then there's that other person that's like has plans, quote unquote. Right. And will probably do something, if not self-serving, pretty, pretty damaging. Right. I look at this the same way. Is I think some people back in in history, I think most of them were using it for a good reason, or the you know possessing the role for a good reason. But I think other ones were you know there was other people that were using the role in a a not so nice way. I also think it was a defensive mechanism. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you put somebody in a threatening, you know, if you threaten somebody and put them in a defensive back position. Back them in a corner, they're going to fight. Back them in a corner, mm-hmm. they're going to fight and they're going to fight with however their means are. Right. If they're able to fight and they're able to just take it head on, mm-hmm. they're going to do that. But this goes back and it's a touchy subject, but I think it's meritable, especially back in history where women didn't have a lot of power. And no. that's where you see a lot of the witches that are women. Primarily, there was men mm-hmm. in the in witchcraft, and mm-hmm. and they got just as bad a shake. The men did, you know, but 
I think a lot of the women used it as a defense thing because the, the defense was the mind right. and using the mind. And then men just go crazy like they do <laughs> and take it out of context. You well, know, but it, if I'm being honest, I don't think there actually were witches. I think I agree. It was just they were the outliers. They were either different or loners weren't part of the community, which a lot of times, um, if I'm remembering correctly, they were they were healers. So yeah. they they knew what herbs mm-hmm. and medicinal plants could be used and harvested for, you know, whatever purpose, because, you know, a lot of times there wasn't a physician or a physician traveled and had to cover a lot of areas. And they were primarily midwives and healers. And they lived outside of town because it just made it easier for them to forage, to forage herbs and well, and, and I whatnot. Think, I think also what people got to put into context back a long time ago, everybody's accustomed to the, I think the the Midwest movies kind of put this in, in the American sense, but also earlier in the industrial era and Renaissance era where there was a lot of these cities and things like mm-hmm. that. There were cities then, but not as much. Everybody lived rural. Right. Yeah. And that gets back to the whole doctor thing where mm-hmm. people had to just take care of themselves with everything. Right. Whether yeah. it was to produce food or to build something or to make themselves feel better. And they were also extremely superstitious. So, well, I mean, yeah. you know, if you had a headache, well, clearly that's because there's a demon inside your head. So, why don't we yeah. why don't we bore a hole in your skull so that the demon or ghosts can escape. If you're lucky. Well, yeah. 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 But as I started looking back on this, there's definitely, I found that there was little doubt that in every inhabited continent in the world, Mm -hmm. the majority of recorded human societies have believed in and feared an ability by some individuals to cause misfortune and injury to others by non-physical and uncanny magical means that's a common thread yes all over the world so here's a question yeah should i have included gypsies i look at gypsies as different i think gypsies are just because they threw curses yeah but i think i mean that's a good question because i I didn't i didn't include them i I didn't think it was necessary i I don't think it'd be necessary for this discussion you know um, <laughs> there's always next time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that people have believed in this injury by non-physical and, and magical means, right. It's been the most stri- like single, most striking lesson of anthropological fieldwork and the writing of European history. I think, and there was a lot of what I read that led to this is that a fear of witchcraft might be inherent in humanity. Like it's just built in us yeah the fear and that makes complete sense and people fear what they don't know well there's this general truth that human beings traditionally have great trouble in coping with the concept of random chance right i think this is the crux of witchcraft and how it gets a bad rep right you know there's this concept of random chance and people really struggle on how to manage that because you have the ones that just 
everybody happens for everything, everything happens, happens for, for a reason. reason. Mm-hmm. And then you got the other ones that are just like, I create my own opportunities. When one door closes, another one, one opens. opens. Yeah. It could also be that your house is haunted. Yeah, or it could be just random <laughs> chance, you know. Yes, it could. And that gets back to this kind of core statement of what I think of with witchcraft back in these earlier ancient to old history times. I don't think people, especially going through to today, I found the common thread is, is that it's just a fear of this is inherent in humanity. Yeah. It hasn't changed. No. Even, you know, and we'll deal with this later in the podcast with Africa. Yes. It just shows that there's this, you know, and, and it might not be just witchcraft. It might be just this, this fear of special powers or things like that. Right, yes. And that's where I think it's been a a problem because, you know, a witch really hasn't been properly defined. And we still struggle with that. Right. And the earliest records that I was looking into of a witch is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the old book. Yeah. You know, just go back to that. You know, I kind of circled the wagons around two experts or excerpts. The Samuel was supposedly written... 630 to 540 BC. And that's the story of King Saul seeking out the spiritist witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet of Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. Samuel tells him that God has fully rejected him, will no longer hear his prayers, and he will lose both the battle in his life. And a lot of that was he was rejected for his unfaithfulness. He committed against the Lord and not keeping the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Right. And that was the story. Yeah. As he consulted this spiritist witch of Endor, which is kind of weird because I had to pull that expert excerpt off of history.com, but that's not mentioned in the Bible. The spiritist witch of Endor. Yeah. They didn't uh, say the word witch. I have to say, in doing my research, not for this topic, oh, but many. for werewolves coming up, Um, I have yet to find two sources that agree on not only the story, but the details of the story. And some of them differ so much that it's like, these aren't even close. So which is it? Yeah. I mean, somebody somewhere wrote it down. Well, and that's the bit here with Samuel and the story of King Saul and and seeking out to summon, you know, the spirit of Samuel. I originally was just doing kind of the the gloss over overview research of how I want to approach this and everything. Mm-hmm. And it just, it wasn't just history.com. It was a few places that were just talking spirit of witch right. vendor. And so I pull out King James Bible, look in there and there, surprise, surprise. there's no... No, no use of the word yeah. witch, you yep. know, and even I have a study Bible because the Bible is gray already in some areas. Right. And even the scholars that do the notes for study Bibles are, you know, this could have been Even they are divided. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. They don't even really call that uh, witch of Endor. They call that person a necromancer, which is accurate back in those times. Yes. Because a necromancer would be, and that's the thing, the Bible. They are part of the black magic and they would commune with the deceased. Yeah. So the 
The Bible's full of necromancers, mm-hmm. enchanters, mm-hmm. sorcerers. Mm-hmm. You'll read about that all over in the Bible. There's no shame in in the writing there. You know, right. they're they're yeah. all about those. But witch, not so much. Now here's the weird thing. There's witchcraft in the Bible. And that's that's a weird kind of situation. And I don't know how Isn't it is. Isn't Exodus trans- the first time so that ex- a witch is mentioned by name? Exodus was supposedly written in 600 BC. And Samuel was 630. Okay. So the often cited Exodus 22.18 is, Thou shall not suffer a witch to live. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the, the language. Right. Because again, if you were to read that, to face value. Yeah. All right. It's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. Yes. What people have to understand, though, is the Bible's been translated from an old, practically. Archaic language. Ar- let's, you know, like. Un- let's be Untranslatable honest. language. Yes. And as the years go on, just it's going to be harder and harder. And it's the scholar's best guess at what was actually some, written. Some of this stuff is best guess. Yes. But some of this stuff trickles down. Right. In other languages. And that's how they can. So the the Exodus book is interesting in that sense because it's one of the books surrounding law. Exodus is a law book. Right. In the Old Testament. Because I mean, Isn't Genesis, that eye for an eye? Genesis was creation. And yes. then Exodus was like, all right, here's the rules. Yes. Basically, that's, that's okay. kind of the format of the story, you know, or the historical account. It depends who your audience <laughs> is, you know. However... The thou shall not suffer a witch to live could be a stubborn translation problem because the Mm -hmm. phrase to wit is to know. And that might have been what was related to the witch. And so basically another way this could have been interpreted, I was reading this in a few areas, is thou shall not permit a witch to know, which kind of changes the whole aspect of that whole thing. Right. Now, again... The Greeks rendered the word witches as, I hope I don't beat this up, but it's a pharmacoi. That basically translates to poisoners. And again, there's no word that just connects to this is a witch. Like every other word goes to these other areas. Mm -hmm. And the pharmacoi, the poisoner's word, that's since sorcerers and sorceresses, again, which you read about in the Bible all the time, Mm -hmm. sorcerers, sorceresses, Mm -hmm dealt in drugs and basically pharmaceutical potions. Right. And people can say what they want, but I think I think back in the day, sorcerers and sorceresses and enchanters and things like that, I think they use drugs to make through their means. Not on purpose. Right. You know, and not for evil, but right. I think they were like, hey, with this thing... I can see, like people talk about it now. Hey, with D- man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> you don't you see eat this, this, man. mushroom, man. <laughs> it's you, great. Telling you what, man. You're closed until you do that, man. You're you going to see so many you know. chickens. But like DMT. Right. That's the kind of current one that right. everyone talks about, where yep. they say DMT could be possibly this gateway. Right. To these another, other dimensions. Other dimensions, and, other worlds, right. and stuff yep. like that. And without diving in a rat's nest of that, what I think is just, again, you'll hear it from me a million times. I don't think anything changes. Right. I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. So like DMT was the same thing as some sorcerer or sorceress grinding up some stuff in a mortar and pestle 
Right. And either just blowing it in their face or putting it in there, you know, have this tea and you'll be able to talk to your grandmother or right. you'll be able to, you know, communicate with, you know, the dead or you'll have this power of insight to see a problem coming, you know. And I, that harkens back to what you were talking about in ghosts with that power of suggestion. Yeah. It may not actually have been anything. Yeah. But if you believe something does what they're claiming it does, you yeah. can, you know, it's the placebo effect. You can actually make it work. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, witch, the closest thing I could find a word with it was Mekashep. That's M-E-K-A-S-H-E-P. And that word denotes a form of magic. Mm-hmm. And the root of Mekashep is to cut up. And thus, this might refer to one who cuts up herbs mm-hmm. and brews them for magical purposes. Mm-hmm. And then again, the pharmaca, that's drug. Correct. The term is used in mica uh, for material as drugs or mm-hmm. herbs used superstitiously to produce magical effects. And the noun means, we're going to just circle right back to it, enchanter or sorcerer. You know. Right. So, again, with the the old book, the Bible, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to harp on the Bible forever here, but the fact is, is there wasn't really a whole lot of name dropping for witches. No. You know, not much at all. I right. think in the whole entire book, which is a massive amount of pages, massive amount of books. Yes. And a lot of topics. I think the word witch occurs maybe twice. Right. You know. I remember having having read it cover to cover a couple times um especially during those dark years um i only and and i'm going to be honest the only passage that truly stuck out through time was exodus yeah yeah no that's the and, that's the big one and and like i said i it could mean exactly what it means um cuz here's one well, thing well i think it it could have meant anything, yeah. but I think they used that as their excuse. Well, it says right here in the Bible that we're not supposed to let a witch live, so you got to go. Well, and that gets me to the next topic. And Oh, and did I serve that up nicely for you? Pretty close. Yay! A, however, the, the big thing that I found, just to stay on that a bit, the phrase to me that makes more sense is thou shall not permit a witch to know in the translation, because if right. it said not to live, it would have said what to do. You right. would think, but of course it's the Bible. Well, I mean, they also didn't tell you that. what a witch was. They were just like, oh, yeah, Hey, yeah. this thing. Yeah. So somebody else did the heavy lifting for that. Cool. And, uh, you know, but, but the last part of the Bible was the Bible's pretty straightforward here. Mm-hmm. It's against it and prohibits involvement with sorcery and enchantment on any level. Right. That's really like Old Testament Bible. Zero tolerance. Right. I'm going to make that a point because later that's going to come out into a a different angle. But zero tolerance on sorcery and enchantment of any kind, any level. So it didn't didn't bode well for witches in Europe, especially during mid-1400s. And a perfect storm would rain down from the mid-1400s to late 1600s. And this is where we dive into an unfortunate example of how terrible humanity can be. Yes. 
And, and I think that's the main grasp of the next following things coming through is just, this is humanity being hum- human, human, it's just what we do. And humans do great things, but they also do terrible, some pretty damn horrible, terrible, horrible, destructive horrible things. things. So the following publication would be the worst thing that would happen. And, you know, I say it happens to witches, but really it was the worst thing that could have happened to women. Mm-hmm. And that's malice maleficarum, yeah. which was translated hammer of witches. Mm-hmm. And this actually became the guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. Yeah. It labeled witchcraft as hearsay and was written. Heresy. Or heresy, sorry. And was written by two well-respected German Dominicans in 1486. So this is the tough part. You've got this book. And I've read some of this book. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It's literally crazy. Yeah. Like, I think it's required reading on a lot of people to, again, realize where humanity can really go. Yes. I think people sit and think of how oh, this is terrible, that's terrible. But you start reading yeah. this and you are it's dark. This is dark reading. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The Dark Ages weren't called the Dark Ages for nothing. Well, and there's some that contest with that and they say the Dark Ages aren't so dark. But read Malice Malficarum and guess what? Yeah. That's Bleak. pretty fucking yeah. dark. Yeah. And, and it's insanely uncomfortable, at least for me it was, to read a lot of that stuff in there. Well- isn't it almost like a handbook for murder? It's a hand. It's a handbook to get rid of a group of people. In yeah. short, is yeah. what it is. You know, it's a handbook to get rid of a group of people. It asserts that three elements are necessary for witchcraft: the evil intentions of the witch, help of the devil, and the permission of God. Oh yeah, this book is just—it's—it's it's nuts. The first section is aimed at clergy and tries to refute critics who deny the reality of witchcraft, thereby hindering its pros- or, yeah, prosecution. Right. So basically they're just, that first section, again, is aimed at the clergy to just basically, if you deny it, these are all the reasons that you can tell somebody that they're wrong. Right, it's empowering you know? them. Yeah, so, I mean, really writing a book of this magnitude, they were pretty smart. Yeah. They, they had it all figured out. Yeah. The second section describes in the actual forms of witchcraft and its remedies. Mm-hmm. So they list out all these mm-hmm. forms of witchcraft. And then right next to it, this is how you remedy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get big into the book because honestly, that's another podcast. Yeah. And it's one we, I we definitely want to do. I definitely want to do it because it's, I think people need to know where people can go. The third section, the last section, is to assist judges confronting and combating witchcraft and to aid the inquisitors by removing the burden from them. Right. So identification. Yep. Awareness. Yep. And removal. And each of these three sections has the prevailing themes of what is witchcraft and who is a witch. That basically was the point in history where witchcraft was constituted an independent Mm anti-religion. That was really kind of the line in the sand. And basically a subordination to the devil. That's what the book was implying. Yeah. And basically a witch was a member of a malvoyant. Malevolent. A malevolent society presided over Satan himself. Yeah. So 
This publication went through 28 editions between 1486 and 1600. It, uh, it became accepted by Roman Catholics and Protestants alike as an authoritative source of information concerning Satanism and as a guide to Christian defense against acts of Satan. So that's a tough part. You got the Catholics and the Protestants. And again, I think this is a perfect storm thing mm-hmm. where people trying to do the right thing end up doing something really terrible. Mm-hmm. So you have the Catholics and the Protestants who are really just trying to strive to maintain what they each deem to be purity of faith. Right. You know, I try to pull myself back from this as far as I could and try to keep my opinions and and everything right. out of it. And as I was reading this, I'm thinking like, well, why would they go through all this? And then I look and it's just Christianity is on the rise. Yep. And it's this contest, especially between the Catholics and Protestants. It was this contest yeah. of purity of faith. Well, wasn't the and, Protestant like a rebellion against Catholicism? They were like, yeah. hey. No, it's just Yeah, a different we can way, believe in this, but. Different way to do this. And this slow is, your roll. This is what religions do. Yeah. You know. And, and again, it's good intentions. People are trying to have a strong, pure faith into something. Mm-hmm. However, there's a line. Right. And that gets back to where I was saying with the witches. I think everybody's guilty of this thing where you're doing one role and then all of a sudden this line you cross, and it's like I said with a million dollars. Right. You know, it, there's a line you cross where, yeah, this isn't really helping out at all. Right. And in the publication... Further, this gets to the the perfect storm. The publication took off thanks to the printing press. Because basically the two most popular publications at that time were this publication and And the the Bible. Bible. Yeah. That's it. So this is where you have this polar opposite, you know, this this engine. And like I said, the, the, the printing press comes through and boom. Now here's another thing that comes into play. Modern medicine. Yeah. And people don't talk about this enough. And I think... That's, I have a list of things here, but I'm just going to put a couple of them as highlights. So when we were talking about Samuel and Saul, Saul, Mm -hmm. Exodus, that's 600 BC, 540 BC through there. So with modern medicine, 500 BC, that's when they started distinguishing veins from arteries. Mm -hmm. And 460 BC, they begin the scientific study of medicine, and this is where they start prescribing a form of aspirin. Right. And 280 BC, they're studying the nervous system. So I'm not going to go too, you know, I have a lot more than. But what advances needs to, but are being made, and witches are almost practicing medicine without a license. Well, it's not if even a license. If you want to put it in, ma- in modern. It's terms. not even a license. Like, yeah. Like, for example, and again, I didn't live back there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you were taking something that's a little psychotropic mm-hmm. to get rid of a headache, and then all of a sudden this guy comes up and is just like, here, you can crush this dust into your water, and it doesn't make you queasy sick. You don't see yeah. things out of the corner of your eyes and gets rid of your headache. Right. You don't you know? have to hallucinate. Yeah. It's, I, I think, you know, I don't think that's a far leap to go. Here's a thing that just people might not really consider because we're stuck in our own our own place of things. Right. 
Basically, in 1249, Roger Bacon invents spectacles. So you think about that for a second. Right. Before that, people couldn't see. Yeah. And you and I have glasses. If we don't wear glasses, the headaches we have. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this is stuff that we just don't understand. Right. Because we're just so baked into, well, yeah, you just get glasses so you can see and it gets rid of your headaches, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's that type of stuff. And then right in the wheelhouse of 1600s when this was going on, or, you know, 1400s to 1600s, they're, they're inventing the microscope. They're doing all of this work with, like, canine blood infusions, and they're observing bacteria. Right. I think So advances are being made. Yeah, I think there was an incredible amount of change occurring at this time, and it shows that a fear of witchcraft might be inherent in humanity. So what you have is the purity of religion moving forward. Mm-hmm. You have the printing press, which is just pouring gasoline on, on the these fire. Yeah. on these uh, these publications, mm-hmm. and you have a book that's been around for a long time that's telling you any kind of magic, sorcery, anything like that is unacceptable. Right. And then you have this handbook that shows how to identify this stuff and dispatch them and dispatch yeah. them. And then the human part comes into play where they're just, again, it's the million dollars thing where somebody says, I'm after that piece of property. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call that person a witch so I can get their land. Yep. Or, you know, I I want this person's money or I just hate this person. Drove me crazy. Right. Or this woman made a mockery of me in public, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm going to show her. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's a hard thing to, to leap over. And that's where I didn't realize this either, how close the Salem witch trials were with the European witch trials. Yeah. I didn't know they were that close. I mean, we're literally talking in the same century. Yeah. Like towards the tail end of the European witch trials. When you think about it, it kind of very much makes sense because they left Europe. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to bring their prejudices and their preconceived notions along with them. And no doubt, Malus Maleficarum and the Bible made their way along with them. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is, is Salem at that time being one of the largest seaports in the world. Yeah. In a witchcraft handbook pushed by publishers, press, and, you know, two leading religions didn't help. Salem at all. No. And then here's the thing is not only Salem, but in the U.S., these witch trials were propping up in all these other areas. You know, everybody would like to think that like Salem was the only one. It's the popular one. Yeah. You know, and it was the most publicized, again, because it's in a large seaport city. Um, Right. So it's going to garner a lot of that attention. And I think that's the stuff I looked into where, again, humanity being... Human. Human. And and people just doing what they know. We have so much media. We have so much stuff to turn to. Right. The internet, magazines, books, yes. word of mouth, whatever. Yes. You know, the information age we're in now is way different than then. Because back then, you had the Bible. You had this handbook. You probably had a couple little pocket stories that people right. cranked around. And you had word of mouth, which is the worst communication possible well i'm going to say um hearing about it in you know learning about the the witch trials but 
also going to church and then the satanic panic of the 80s, that really truly was a catalyst for me to, all right, you know what, what is this all about? And to actually start reading about it. And my curiosity was, is there even anything to this? See, now where I was growing up, Mm -hmm. there was. There was a couple like satanic groups that, like I remember seeing, I want to say, I don't want to say the town or anything like that because it's long past, it's moved on. And yeah, but I remember being a kid and somebody told me, oh, there's this altar where there's like this carcass and like, it's weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yeah, right. And they're like, no, I'll show you. And I remember going and seeing that and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this isn't kids messing around with something. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is a little more. But you also have to admit that in the 80s, they brought up the satanic panic all the time. It was on the news all the time. And I think that was one of those things where if you, you could will something into reality. So oh, yeah. if you were one of those people on the fringes and you were and you were like fed up and you were like, I'm at my limit and you're hearing about this, sure, you could make that be an outlet for you where if you hadn't been hearing about it all the time, maybe it just would have done something else. No, and I, I agree with that to a certain bit, but like even now, there's Satanism. It's out there. Yes. There's people that practice it. Yes. It's a religion. It's, yes. You know, and here's the thing. It's not new. No. You know, it's like the Wiccans. The Wiccans are new, but they're not new, new. They're out you know, new. You know, like basically, you know, the Wiccans are originally like 1920, but the 60s, I think it was. Is That's where when they actually they came out and through. they said that. But the yes. total inception of the idea mm-hmm. was like in the 20s or 30s or something like that. And I think it's the, even older than that, but that's just. Um, but what I'm getting yeah. at is, is this, this stuff is real, whether people want to admit it or not. Yeah. And like the Satanism thing. Yeah. That is real. Mm-hmm. And if it's real now, I do imagine that it would be real then. Yeah. It'd be kind of impossible not to think that, especially such an old idea. I mean, the internet's a new idea. That's new. Yeah. But this is an old idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my, that was my interest in, in basically the history. I expected it to be a little different. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a little more of a definition of a witch throughout there. And there just wasn't. No. You know. And, you know, movies aren't helping either. No, they're really you know, not. Shocker. You know, it, movies not help. What? You know. Hollywood doesn't get stuff right? You know. <laughs> Say and, it isn't so. No, and I mean, even in the whole Disney era and things like that. You know, oh, yeah. No, like, the, here's a question I have for you. Yes. Maleficent. Yes. Witch or not? And if she's not a witch, what is she? Okay. If you are going by um, Maleficent in the animated film, she was depicted as a witch, but she was actually a fairy. Mm-hmm. And it was the three fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, who were bestowing the gifts onto the baby Aurora. And Maleficent was an evil fae. And she, too, could bestow 
gifts upon the babe, if you will. And she just happened to impart a negative gift, if you will, a curse. And if you watch the Maleficent where Disney was like, hey, you know, why don't we tell the villain stories? You very much get that, yes, she was a fae. She was a fairy. And that she actually didn't have evil or malicious intent or intention. It was the actions of King Stefan that made her act in a way that was malicious. And she, in that depiction, she was extremely remorseful. And she watched over Aurora and tried to break the curse herself and couldn't. She was certain that there was no such thing as true love's kiss so that this poor child was going to be cursed to die. And ultimately, spoilers, but I mean, come on, guys. It's been like, <laughs> it's been like five years. It's if been, you haven't watched it now, <laughs> that's on you. It's been a minute. She actually does break the curse because she loves Aurora. And when she kisses her, when she's telling her that she's going to protect her as she sleeps in eternal slumber, Aurora actually rises from the curse. Yeah. And the, you see a change in Maleficent. And at the end of the day, honestly, if we're getting down to it, if you're getting into the forms and the ideas of witchcraft, they are very old. They're from the pagan religions. There are... um throwbacks to druidism the celts they even make references to the norse gods the celtic gods Mm -hmm. and you know there was they say a thing for every season but there was almost like a god for every oh yeah for every season and that's and that's where you see this in witchcraft yes period yep and that's where I ended up wrapping this up from a historical sense before getting into present. Right. Was that all of this is witchcraft. Yes. I, I'm comfortable in saying that. Others might blow their lid off with it, but the fact is, is it's all witchcraft. Whether you're a witch or a sorcerer yeah. or an enchanter, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's witchcraft. Yes. Now, the Quran believes in magic. Yes. And they believe that there's good magic and there's bad magic. Well, yes. Or so dark, does dark magic. And so do Wiccans believe yeah. there's good magic yeah. and bad magic. No, and that's and that's where I'm getting at is like Christianity and the Satanism, this is kind of to do a loop it's, around with it's that. It's kind of like the yin and the yang, the good I and think, the bad. I think Satanism, if someone says they're into Satanism, I think they're just doing that to piss off the Christians. Yes. And again, I'm not speaking for everybody. I think there's people that really believe and all that. Yes. And I do believe that now. I believe that people can just be all in on something. Scientology to- taught me that. Yes. Because the great pleasure we've had, if you were born and actually of conscionable age in mm-hmm. the last 30 years, 
you got to witness a religion started up. Yep. And it was through one book. Yep. Dianetics. LRH. Yeah. But, but <laughs> one book. And yes. you got to watch this religion blow up. Yeah. I mean, during the you know, 80s, those Dianetics commercials were all over the television. Everywhere. You couldn't watch your stories at, no. at noon without at least four Dianetics commercials. Yeah. And, and that's where I look at this stuff makes sense now. You yes. know, just looking at how someone could get all in mm-hmm. on an idea. Mm-hmm. I really, really look at that. Yeah. And, and I really, really buy into it. Because mm-hmm. watching Scientology go from a book yep. to this, this cult thing it is mm-hmm. now, yeah, you know, it just, uh, I, I really have an open mind on pretty much anything else. Yeah. I, I don't deny the idea that someone can get so wrapped up into an idea, a force, uh, yeah. um, a way of life, yeah. a, a way of doing things, and will do crazy things. Mm-hmm. To justify their position, yeah, in it, yep, you know, to defend it, to well, because to fight they have for it. they have right on their side, you know. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I got to laugh when people bust on Christians. It's like they're not the only ones that think they got right on their side. Oh, and no. do crazy things no. to justify their positions. Absolutely not. You know, they don't corner the market on righteous indignation. No, no, no. no. You know, I, I think you know they might have a a, a good sized wedge of the pie. Is <laughs> parts of that, but right. but I'll be honest with you, I'd rather have a Christian come over and pray for me than a, a Scientologist come and pray for me because they won't pray for me. They're going to no. sell me a bunch of books. They're going to want me to hold they on to a couple your money. cans, yeah. and they're going to get all my deep darkest secrets so they can use it against me. Hold and, these you know. Campbell soup cans yeah. while we chat. And everybody says, <laughs> "Oh, well, that's what you know Catholics do in the in the confession booth." And it's like, nah, not really. You know, no. There was a little. No. Little snicker bars and unnecessary touching, you know, that's that's definitely and I'm not saying that's the right thing, but so what do you got, Jen? All right. This topic was very bittersweet for me. And it's because witches feature prominently in horror and in history as well, but they're most always depicted in a negative light. They're rarely depicted in a positive manner no and you get the basic tenet that um you know they've made a pact with the devil they operate under malicious intent and as a result the sheer number of poor souls that were put to death under suspicion of being a witch or convicted and or killed because of it because they were a quote-unquote witch it's very hard for me to reconcile because I did get very extremely curious about witches and I decided, I decided to start researching and not just researching, but digging deep. Mostly because I wanted to see if there was any truth in, you know, when it's in religion and it's in the movies and it's in the, the history Surely there must be some grounds of truth in it. And I was very surprised at what I learned. I started by researching Wicca. Imagine my surprise when I learned there is no devil in Wicca. 
Witches don't make a pact with the devil because he doesn't exist. He doesn't exist in their religion. And that's primarily where most witches fall. Most witches fell within or could be most closely associated with Wicca. And it's a natural religion where they practice with natural energies charged with love and sent with the knowledge that positive change will occur. That's their craft. That's what they do. And I have a hard time finding evil in that. No. And one of the other things that you learn in Wicca is whatever you send out into the world comes back to you threefold. So one of the basic tenets, and I'll bring it up later, is ye harm none. It's almost reflective of the Hippocratic Oath that doctors take. Yeah, yeah. So let's define Wicca. And it's used to refer to the loosely organized pagan religion centering toward reverence for the creative forces of nature, usually symbolized by a goddess and a god, as well as its practitioners. And the practitioners are of both sexes. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't make a distinction, you know, like... There aren't witches and warlocks. Yeah, yeah. They're just witches. And many use the term Wicca and witch almost interchangeably. Wicca as a religion has been shrouded in secrecy. They weren't looking for new members, and they certainly weren't sharing information about their practices, rituals, rites, etc., because to do so would open them up to persecution and or death. And because of this, We only know what we know about Wicca from those that were brave enough to write about it. And the first book on witchcraft with details of rituals, effective spell work, and a cosmology familiar to most witches is Arcadia or the Gospel of the Witches by Charles G. Leland, written in 1899. It wasn't until the 1950s and the 1960s that the first public witches stepped forward in Great Britain and the United States. And I think that says a lot. Yeah. And I find it interesting that one of the most important tenets is, if it harm none, do what you will, considering how witches were treated historically. Wiccans can practice in a coven, usually consisting of 10 to 15 people, or they can be solitary practitioners. They can further be broken down into green witches, and these are all part of the the right hand of magic, if you will, the positive. Mm -hmm. And another name for green witches is hedge witches, kitchen witches, and white witches. Historically, the reference to witches was a reference to practitioners of black magic or the dark arts, and this is the left hand of magic. It's the black magic. It's um, And that is used and the use of supernatural powers or magic for evil and selfish purposes. It is the art of black magic that links to Satan. A.E. Waite provided a comprehensive account of black magic practices, rituals, and traditions in the book of black magic and ceremonial magic. And by giving someone your true name and by knowing a person's true name, allows that person's control over you. 
So that's one of the the key things that they would use in their spellcraft. Just like you don't want the fairies and the fae to know your true name, you didn't want anyone to know your true name because it could be used against you. And then they they had what were called immortality rituals. And they were striving to find either a, a ritual, a rite, a potion, something that would garner them immortality. And because of the need to test the results, the subjects were dispatched, which led to necromancy, which is magic having to do with death itself, either through divination or the act of raising the dead. And then that led to curses and hexes. And curses can be as simple as wishing ill will on someone or as complicated as performing a complex ritual to ensure that someone dies. Which brings us to the other common types of witchcraft or the types of crafts that are mentioned either in song, movie, history, what have you. So I went into each of them. And I thought, all right, I'll break it down into voodoo, shamanism, Mm -hmm. the Kabbalah. Imagine my surprise when I learned just how much is involved with voodoo and how many different variations there are. Oh, it's it's a ton. So the voodoo tradition has its own distinction between black and white magic. Sorcerers like the Bakor are known for using magic and rituals of both. Voodoo's penchant for magic associated with curses, poisons, and zombies means they're generally associated with black magic. Voodoo is actually broken out by its country of origin or by the location of its practitioners. Enter the many types of voodoo. Yeah. Kendombe Jeje, a.k.a. Brazilian Vodum, is um, one of the major branches of Kendombe. It's um, a dance in honor of the gods. And then there's Cuban voodoo, which is a syncretic religion formed from blending the Fan and Iwa, their sweet spirits, like they're like light spirits. Yeah, yeah. Beliefs features in um, the ceremonies and their dance movements. They kind of differ from each other as well. So syncretism is the combining of different beliefs while blending practices of various schools of thought. So it's kind of like a merger of ideas, almost how Wicca includes a little bit from Norse mythology, a little bit from Druidism, a little bit from the Celts, etc. So Dominican voodoo is a syncretic religion of Caribbean origin, which Uh, developed on the island of Hispaniola, composed of three main divisions. The Rada division, which is the white or sweet division, the Petra division, which is the fire bitter division, and the Gede, which is the black division. Then there's Haitian voodoo. Developed in Haiti between the 16th and 19th centuries, it focuses on the veneration of deities known as Iwa or Loa, often identified as Yoruba gods, as well as Roman Catholic saints. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Louisiana voodoo, also called New Orleans voodoo. It's a spiritual belief and practices developed from the traditions of the 
African diaspora in Louisiana. It's sometimes referred to as the Mississippi Valley Voodoo, and their liturgical language is Louisianan Creole, and it's syncretized with Catholic and Francophone culture of New Orleans as a result of the African cultural oppression in the region as part of the Atlantic slave trade. Their emphasis is on the Grigri. Those are the, um, the voodoo dolls. They have a voodoo queen and the use of hoodoo paraphernalia and le grand zombie, which is the zombie, when yeah. you can turn someone into yeah. the, the walking slash living dead. And then there's West African vodon, meaning spirit in the Fan and Iwe languages, practiced by the Fan people of Benin and southern and central Togo, as well as Ghana and Nigeria. The Vodun origin centers around the Vodun spirits and other elements of divine essence that govern the earth, with a hierarchy that range in power from major deities governing the forces of nature and human society to spirits of individual streams, trees, rocks, as well as dozens of ethnic Vodun, which are defenders of certain clans, tribes, or nation states, and they are the center of the religious life. So then I jumped into Santeria, which is also known as Regla de Ocha. Not the or, sublime song. No. No, okay. Or Regla Lukumi or Lukumi. It's, um, it's an African diaspora religion, um, related religions developed in the Americas, deriving from traditional African religions with some influences of other religious traditions like Christianity. It was developed in Cuba between the 16th and 19th century centuries, and it arose through syncretism between the traditional Yoruba religion of West Africa and the Roman Catholic form of Christianity. It is polytheistic, involving the veneration of deities known as Orica, spirits sent by Oludomer for the guidance of all creation and of humanity in particular on how to live and be successful on earth. And then I discovered Southern Hoodoo, which is an amalgamation of spiritual practices, traditions, and beliefs, and it's a mixture of African and indigenous folk practices. Hoodoo was practiced under a large cover of secrecy. Um, sound familiar? Hmm. Hoodoo included healing potions, exercise of parapsychological power, or to cause harm, which befalls the targeted victim. Hoodoo spells date back to the 1800s and were dependent on the intention of the practitioner, which kind of also falls true with all of the crafts, if you will. It falls down to the intention of the practitioner. So then I looked into shamanism, which is a religious practice that involves a practitioner who is believed to interact with a spirit world through altered states of consciousness, such as trance. The goal is to direct these spirits into the physical world for healing or for some other purpose. Historically, it's associated with indigenous and tribal societies with the belief that shamans with a connection to the other world have the power to heal the sick, communicate with spirits, and escort souls of the dead to the afterlife. It is centered on the belief in supernatural phenomena such as the world of gods, demons, and ancestral spirits. Enter the witch doctor. 
The witch doctor is a type of healer who treated ailments believed to be caused by witchcraft. Now, commonly refers to healers, particularly in regions where they use traditional healing rather than the contemporary medicines. Mm, mm-hmm. They were not witches themselves, but rather people who had remedies to protect others from witchcraft induced conditions so people who had been cursed by witches could go to them to have the curses lifted the the witch doctor and then that took me into kabbalah which is an esoteric method and discipline and thought in jewish mysticism kabbalah means received tradition medieval kabbalists adopted for their own doctrine to express the belief they were not innovating but merely revealing the ancient hidden esoteric tradition of the torah meant to explain the relationship between the unchanging eternal god and the moral finite universe it firms the foundation of mystical religions religious interpretations within judaism and it's broken out in the following they call them theosophical or theoretical kabbalahs which is the main focus of Zohar and Luna, and that seeks to understand and describe the divine realm using imaginative and mythic symbols of human psychological experience. Then there's the ecstatic Kabbalah, which is a meditative tradition and strives to achieve a mystical union with God or nullification of the mediate meditator and God's active intellect. And then there's the magico-talismanic tradition of practical Kabbalah. And this endeavors to alter both the divine realms and the world using practical methods. Properly involved white magical acts, if you will. And it was also censored by Kabbalists for only those of pure intent as it relates to the lower realms where purity and impurity are mixed and has since been prohibited by the Arizal until the temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt and the required state of ritual purity is attainable. Now let's get to some notable witches. Gerald Gardner, author of Witchcraft Today from 1954, his full name was Gerald Brousseau Gardner, born June 13, 1884, and passed February 12, 1964. His craft name was Skyer. He was an English Wiccan, as well as author, amateur, anthropologist, and archaeologist, and he was instrumental in bringing Wicca to public attention, writing some of its religious texts and founding the tradition of Gardnerian Wicca. He founded the Bricketwood Coven and introduced a string of high priestesses. He's recognized as the father of Wicca among pagan and occult communities. Alistair Crowley Born Edward Alexander Crowley, October 12, 1875 to December 1, 1947. English occultist, ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist, and mountaineer. Because mountaineer naturally goes with all of that. Yeah, yeah. He founded... sweet mix. (laughs) Right? He founded the religion of Thelema, identifying himself as the prophet entrusted with giving or guiding humanity into the Aeon of Horus in the early 20th century. In 1898, he joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, where he was trained in ceremonial magic by Samuel Liddell, McGregor Mathers, and Alan Bennett. 
1904, Crowley claimed to have been contacted by a supernatural entity named Iwas, who provided him with the Book of the Law, a sacred text that served as the basis for Thelema. And it declared to its followers, do what thou wilt and seek to align themselves with their true will through the practice of magic, spelled with a K. When they talk about magic in the Wiccan tradition, they make the distinction of using the K to differentiate the spell work and the craft from magicians, essentially. Is it really magicians or... Or do you think there's something else there? I think it's to differentiate themselves from sleight of hand Mm -hmm. and to indicate they're doing something more. It's not just a sleight of hand. It's not just a trick of the eye. Mm -hmm. They are actually practicing something. Mm -hmm. And then there's Lori Cabot, and she is... uh, She was born March 6th, 1933. She's an American witchcraft high priestess of the Salem Coven. And she was born Mercedes Elizabeth Kiersey. She was active from 1949 to present. She's a witch, psychic, medium, teacher, and author. And she has Not a mountaineer. Not a mountaineer. Okay. Okay. But she has been doing a lot of great works and community services, if you will, within Salem, and she has gotten awards of merit for her efforts. And then there's Carl Weschke, 1930 to present, and he's president of Llewellyn Worldwide. And Llewellyn Worldwide, they are the publishers on the books on Wicca, pagan-focused materials, astrology, supernatural, and a wide range of new age disciplines. Like if you want to get into what witchcraft is all about, you go to these guys. And they also print a magical calendar and an annual almanac, you know, almost like the the farmer's almanac. And it gives you the sabbats, the, the dates, the rituals, and, you know, recipes. Essentially, anything that you would need to do a magical practice is included in there. Hmm. And then for me personally, there's Scott Cunningham, born 1956, past 1993. He's a Wiccan author, and I have several of his books. And I credit him with my interest into Wicca. And Wicca helped me find peace and purpose in my life, in a very chaotic time in my life. And it just very much struck a chord with me. And then there's Raymond Buckland, August 31st, 1934 to September 27th, 2017. His craft name is Robat, English writer on Wicca and the occult. And he's a significant figure in the history of Wicca. He's a high priest in both Gardnerian and sex Wicca traditions. And his book, Wicca for One, was another great resource for me. And I do give a list of um, books. So what was the chord that it struck for you? First and foremost, it was that it was a natural 
religion and a lot of the rituals, if you will, it's all about giving back. If you take from the earth, you give back to the earth. One of the other things that struck a chord is they talk about the negative and the positive, like there are negative and positive energies. And there are certain plants, there are certain trees, for example, a pine tree. If you are in a negative state of mind, if you're agitated, if you're irritated, if you're slightly depressed, if you hug, put your wrap your arms around the trunk of a pine tree, you can actually feel, I don't know how to describe it, it's almost like a, it's almost, I, I don't want to say it's a vibration, but you can just like feel the negativity, like drain mm-hmm. from your system. And the beauty of it is, is because these trees absorb that that negativity, they actually feed off of it and it actually nourishes them. So you can indirectly strengthen so it's like the a tree. Oxygen carbon dioxide exchange. Essentially. Yeah. 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 It's almost like when you stand on the edge of say a waterfall or like when you stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you you feel that that sense, that awe, that wonder. And you really do feel like you're a part of this bigger yeah. picture. Yeah. And f- I can understand that. My exposure to the Grand Canyon, the number one thing I felt was how insignificant I am. Like if you ever really want to feel insignificant, go yes. to the Grand Canyon. Yes. Because it's just larger than you can kind of fit your head around. You know, yeah. as far as the size and things near you and like you see these great big trees that are next to you that are massive in size. Yeah. And you look across the canyon and there's these little they look like pinheads. Right. They're just tiny yep. pinheads. And that's those same trees. Yep. You know, and you look down further down and you'll see these little like tan colored they just look like little cracks. Yeah. And you put a couple like coins in the they had those right. coin operated magnifying or binocular things. And you look and it's a whole like they've got vendors down there and there's people walking up and down. It's just yeah. this whole busy and then you look away and you just don't see anything at all, you know. Right. I do get that. I really do. You know, there's that part where you look and you're you're a smaller part of something much larger. Yeah. Is and that what they're trying to grasp? Or, you know, is that yeah, what they're it, trying to it really, get across? Well, the whole thing with, I couldn't get over how much positivity there was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an intention in everything. There's an intention on, you know, how you, how you clean. Yeah. How you clean your space. How you cleanse your space. How you meditate, how you think, how you approach everything. And I very much, I, I found a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. I found, um, I found a lot of inner peace at a time where, you there know, no the, outer the drums yeah. were going, the, the, 
the symbols crashing like it was chaos mm-hmm. and it very much centered me calmed everything and allowed me to look within myself and discover essentially i think who who i really am or what or at least at that moment what my what my true intentions were you know what did i want yeah. What what am I looking for? What least, was I looking for? Or at least put you in a good position to think about that. Yes. And Which you normally wouldn't have thought about any of that. Correct. Stuff. And whereas when you're reading the Bible, it's all no, okay. no, no. Here, not only is it accepted, it's encouraged. Like, they don't tell you you have to abandon your faith. You can very much coexist within all of these things. And I couldn't find, you know, a a negative. I couldn't find a negative. Granted, I didn't look into any of the black magic or dark arts, but I can tell you that in researching medicinal plants or in researching um, candle work and in researching colors, there very much is a, I'm going to use magic in quotes, but there there is a magic to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I was able to pick up a dandelion and... I had a uh, a weird odd bump. I don't even know what it was on my shin and it just appeared one day. Could have been a uh, a pimple, could have been from when I was shaving, but there's a chemical within the milk yeah. of the dandelion that when you it's got antifungal, antibacterial properties and it cleared it up, made it go away. Mhm. And I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> well, mountaineering gives you that knowledge. Well, That's- I mean, yeah, <laughs> certainly. And I have to say most recently, Erin Murphy Hiscock. She's an author of several books. And several is a, a gross underrepresentation. She's a prolific writer. And she's out of Montreal, Canada. And she wrote The Green Witch. And I've re- I recently added that book to my library, and it completely touched my spirit in a way that no other book has. It's a wonderful addition to my library and is full of small, meaningful little tips to bring purpose and a little magic to your life. So I have a list of books. There's The Green Witch by Erin Murphy Hiscock, Wicca for One by Raymond Buckland, Earth, Air, Fire, and Water by Scott Cunningham, Living Wicca, also Scott Cunningham, Wicca, A Guide for the Solitary Practitioner, Shocker, Scott Cunningham, (laughs) and Foundations of High Magic by Melita Denning and Osborne Phillips. And that's Modern Witchcraft. Yeah. And I would love to do an episode devoted 
to Wicca. Yeah. And I can break out how the practice works. Very cool. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the modern end of witches is pretty, it's weird in the sense that you can say mainstream wise or anything, there's nothing going on. And I don't think witches have a problem with that. I think well, they're fine being out of the limelight, so to speak. They are. And However, but they are still getting a bad rap. Yeah, they're still getting a bad rap. But I think, I think more so this, and again, this is where I kind of go back to what I was saying earlier. I think it's, it's, there's just always a few people that just ruin the whole thing. Yeah. You know, agreed. And like right now, you would think witch hunts were this like historic problem that doesn't exist today. Yeah. And it does. Yes. You know, in, in 20th century alone, more people accused of witchcraft were brutally murdered than during the three centuries when witch hunts were practiced in Europe. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a shocking number. And between 1960 and 2000, about 40,000 people alleged of practicing witchcraft were murdered in Tanzania alone. That's just Tanzania. Well, I have um, six children in London between 2000 and 2010. Yeah. Because they were considered not, they were just considered uh, children are vessels of evil, apparently. Yeah. No, and that's where I get where. Yeah. Again, it's the million dollars you give to everyone. Right. It's going to be spent. You know, a million ten people, different ways. Ten people, yep. ten different ways. You know, and what was interesting with the Tanzania example is there's no laws against witchcraft in Tanzanian law. Yeah. You know, and village tribunals often decide that certain individuals should be killed. So again, it's a village. Yeah. This is where I kind of want to throw the because it's easy to point at an idea, it's easy to point at a yep. person. Yep. You know, but in the end. It's a village that's doing this. Now, granted, there's that macro and micro part of villages where right. you have, say, you know, the three people that run the village and whatever they and say. And everybody goes, else that has to fall in. And you got to mm-hmm. fall in or otherwise you lose a limb or something like that. Um, you know, I do get that. But I think the point of mentioning earlier where time hasn't changed. No. I, you know, I always, you know, you see this with me all the time. I love when people say, you know, well, overall, humanity's gotten better, or, you know. All no, this we stuff, haven't. You know, no, you know. I mean, it just—it's—it's it's not. I think we've gotten better in a lot of ways. We have. But, but we've also gotten a lot better at spreading information. So, where before you didn't know just how bad people truly could be, now there's no question. Well, yeah, but also it's just like this type of bad isn't a new thing. That's what I keep going Uh around with is this is I think humans are the way they are yeah and I don't think you can train them I don't think you can you know and and the ones that are trying so hard to do the right thing are doing the thing that they despise without even knowing it you know and that gets back to Christianity and you know you have you know two books yeah that are creating this moving force of knowledge Mm -hmm. and and people just you know because the thing is, is during those witch trials, everybody thought they were doing the right thing. 
Oh, they had God on their side. No, no, it's not even God on their side. It's just everybody thought they were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And the ones that didn't think they were doing the right thing stayed quiet. Yeah. That's how this stuff happens. And it just hasn't changed for, for centuries. I think what's kind of weird and the accused now of witchcraft has found this unlikely charity ally in their fight for justice, which is insane to me. Reading all of this from the beginning yeah. and going all the way up through the Catholic Missionary Society, which is part of the Global Pontifical Mission Societies under the jurisdiction of the Pope, mm-hmm. has declared August 10th as World Day Against Witch Hunts, saying that in at least 36 nations around the world, people continue to be persecuted as witches. Mm-hmm. And so while the Catholic Church encouraged witch hunts in Europe from the 15th to 18th century, it is now trying to shed light into this dark slash unknown practice. Yeah. And part of this might be a sense of historical obligation, but I think the real driving force is the number of victims that witch hunts cost today. And that's what we were just talking about with Tanzania. I think it's just the numbers rise and, and we are learning things to make us better, but in the same sense, it just kind of redredges up and redredges up. And I find that interesting. And for me, at least in my mind, I think that's people having a hard time again with the concept of random chance. And then it's so easy to assign mystery. Right. Or supernatural things to it. To a and coincidence. That's, that's the way I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wired with that. And you're talking, you know, to a rational, you know, self-prescribed rational kind of cynical question everything type of person. But I lived for years flipping a coin to make decisions. Yeah. And people that know me when they hear that, and there's some probably now that are listening like, what? Yeah. For four to five years, I flipped a coin to make big decisions. And a lot of it was is this. And I knew what I was doing at that time. It wasn't as much as what the coin said, but how I felt with the result of the coin. Right. So my problem is, and you know this, but I hate, you know, indecisiveness yeah indecisiveness rubs me the wrong way just really irks me even if you i would give someone credit to make the wrong decision as long as they made a decision well yeah you know but making no decision at all and just kind of waffling around that is my number one pet peeve period yeah and the coin flip for me was to avoid that Mm -hmm. you know so if i was at work and i had to pursue in a different direction or if i was with someone and you know, I was just uncertain about something. I would flip a coin. And if it landed and I said, you know, heads, I'm going to do this. And if heads felt, fell and I was just happy about it, then that's the choice I need to make. Right. If it was tails and I felt unsure about it, or if it was heads and I, you know, whatever the result was, if I felt unsure about it, then I said, all right, you know what? Maybe this isn't something I want to do. The way I looked at it was is say you have, you know, say you have your hands at three feet width mm-hmm. and your left hand is one choice and your right hand is another choice. Now, if you flip the coin and it's for the choice that's on your right hand and you feel great about it, that means everything on that side is right. drawing you. And the other side has no merit to draw you at all. It hasn't, it hasn't drawn you at all. Right. Now, if you flip that coin and the other side is comes up and it's making me think, yeah, you know, Maybe I should do that side, even though it says heads to the right, the right hand. 
the way I look at it is, is that idea went not only in its own zone, but across the other side into the zone of the other decision. And that's a very powerful persuasion. Yeah. You know, because it's not just that it met its way in the middle and said, well, you know, come over this side. No, the idea of itself leapt over and corrupted the other right. decision, you know, and I did that for a long time. And a unknown trivia fact, I spent that quarter going to see you at a, at a, a toll charge because yep. I didn't have my easy pass and I had to spend money. Yep. And I spent my, my, de- my decision quarter <laughs> on you. <laughs> It's the best 25 cents. I, I was going to say, was it worth it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I got paid tenfold for that. But no, that's, there's a lot of persuasion in that of some, you know, people want this force to, to guide them. Right. It's comforting. Yeah. And we see that with, again, when we were talking about with ghosts where you have somebody that lost a loved one. Right. And they talk to that that missing person in their life and it gives them that comfort gives them that comfort. Yeah. And I, you know, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I think that's a good thing. Not hurting anybody. You know, I think it's a good thing when someone prays for you. Yes. You know, I think that's a, you know, someone is taking the time out of their day to consult with their highest authority in life. Right. For your betterment. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not. But the fact is, is that's a pretty cool act of kindness. Yes. You know, if someone's meditating and they're trying to get, you know, spend a little time and putting peace in your life, you know, through either their thoughts, I don't see that as bad. No. I think that's where, again, the 10 people, $1 million a piece, you've got some people that do that. You've right. Got some other people that have other plans. Right. And I think that's where the people that have other plans create the fear and then the fear ratchets up and justifies everybody going into their certain areas. And, and I mean, there's those places in Africa where they just don't even want to accept any kind of medicine no, or anything like yeah. that. Cause it's bad magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. The, the crazy thing I learned from this whole thing in summary for me was that a lot of people acknowledge it. You know, pretty much everybody is familiar with the term a witch or witchcraft. And there's no really kind of laws or rules against it. Like people know it's there. Yeah. And they might have their ideas about it. But most of them are just like, yeah, no, that's what they do. Yeah. And then I think that's the thing is you have these pockets of opportunities or pockets mm-hmm. of moments where where people did make it an issue. Yeah. And I think that's where I, I kind of, I hate to say it this way, but I feel sorry for the witch in the sense that they don't seem to have a medium ground of existence. You know what I mean? And again, that's that whole warty witch, the cauldron and, you know, or the person that's going to put a curse on somebody to ruin you again. I can guarantee, especially in this day and age, you have been with, or you have been among a witch or witches and you never knew. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's where, again, I kind of circled back to the Oxford dictionary, the two main definitions. And, and we live in a reality where the first definition, a woman thought to have magic powers, yep. especially evil ones, properly depicted as wearing a black cloak and pointed hat and flying on a broomstick. That's that's a uh, that's a story that's been pummeled into our head forever. Yeah. 
tell us all this time. Yeah. And the, I thought. Rise up, witches. We got some work to do. But I think it's, but I also was pretty impressed that in this time and age, the second, the 1.1 section of the definition was a follower or practitioner of Wicca or of modern witchcraft. Right. And I thought, hey, at least, at least they're in there. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, from someone <laughs> who's, <laughs> you know, for someone who's looking to be a better advocate of this and, yeah. and trying to, I mean, that's a relief because how many people had to die to get that sentence put in there at the end of the day? Too many. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. how many people had to die to get that sentence put in there? Yeah. You know, and that's the unfortunate part. It is. You know, I'd love to talk about more happy things on this podcast, but I think that was a tough thing too, is the witch thing was pretty unhappy to a certain degree. And there's happy stories. There are. And I know we're ignoring virtually all of them. Yes. I mean, that's, uh, but But I. But again, this is just a scratch. Yeah. The surface. No, but I mean, a future podcast, I would like to look and and see. But as a consensual whole, this is how witches are interpreted. Even if you agree with it or disagree with it, it's the reality on the ground. You right. know, if you go and start researching these topics, you know, I mean, even the anthropologists and stuff like that, they just don't even want to research this. No. They don't even want to put the time into it. No. And that's where you start grabbing from these different stories and these different books, these different publications, and and you, you put that together. I think it's a perfect opportunity for reinvention. I yeah. think that's pretty cool what the Wiccas are doing, or the Wiccans. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, a, a reinvention or... Not even a reinvention. I think my personal opinion, and I'm not really involved. I'm not involved in this at all to the level that you are or someone else that right. just practices it true and true. Yeah. But I would want to separate myself from all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like the Wiccans are doing. And I honestly, and I mean, I'm no authoritative figure on telling anybody what to do, but I think that's the best move. Yeah. Is to just separate from all of it entirely. And I think the big thing you can draw from that, again, Scientology. Yeah. You know. And th- you can't change your past, but you can change you know, your future. Not so long ago, Scientology wasn't even an idea. No, it and wasn't. It, and it was within the lifetime of a person that was alive during our yes. existence. Yes. And one book. Yep. I mean, there was a series of books after that that you had yeah. to pay a ton of money for to get into. But one book. Yeah. Just changed the whole landscape and a whole drove of people that needed whatever that was offering right. worked. Yep. You know, and and that's where I think Wiccans would just be better. You know, I'm not saying do Scientology stuff. That's stupid. But no. But be their own thing. Yeah. Because I'll give credit to Scientology where Scientology credit where credits do. They did their own thing. Yeah. They didn't bite off of this or bite off of that. You know, I mean, and and concept in some areas but yeah but for the most part yeah they were just you know this is new this is 100 percent new and that's where i think it would be a good approach for them but we greatly appreciate in closing uh the support for the podcast we're consistently and constantly overwhelmed by all the nice words by our little podcast that could we made it we made it through this one. We did. Which, uh, I'll uh, be honest, we didn't 
We did, it was we up for debate. We didn't know if we would. <laughs> <laughs> we are working on setting up an actual legit studio. I know. So there should be a noted difference in yes. the quality moving forward. And we say it every podcast, but if you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe. Please. But more importantly... If you think someone might be interested in the little stories that we tell, you know, pass it on. Pass pass you, the word. You'd be doing us a, a great service by passing it on. You sure would. Even if you just know one person that you think would be interested in what we're doing. We've got big things coming. We'd greatly appreciate if you share it. Uh, we'd rather do a grassroots thing at this yeah. time. Uh, for those of us that are not in our, our friends network, Outside of that, we're not involved with a network. No. We're not involved with a group. No. Um, we are literally doing this today in our dining room in our house. Yes. We're we're very grassroots on this. We are. But we do have big plans for the coming year. We've got some amazing topics that we're diving into. We're going to continue to do our best to bring you the best show that that we possibly can and we're working on merch so yes it's all all coming together and we're doing as much as we can as fast as we can but in simple words your word of mouth would help us greatly it sure would and in true fact if if each of you were to share with another friend and if you have already we are eternally grateful Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But if you do, if you do share it with just one extra person, uh, to the better. But that would put us basically into the higher fifty percentile of podcasts. Yeah, we're really overwhelmed. We're very close to that that number, and it just uh, with only having a couple of episodes, it's really, it's really shocked us. And, and with having the Rona. Yeah. Yeah. Well. They might listen to this episode and they're like, God. Be like, we're out. We are out. I'm not, I'm going to tell 10 people not to listen to them. I'm going to tell everyone I know. Yeah. Don't even bother. Oh, the horror? It's a horror. It's a horror. Oh, the horror by Seriously Decent. Don't do it. No. No, thank you so much. We look forward to doing this again. The next topic. Werewolves. Werewolves. Ow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>